Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82. A Psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Kennard Brown speaking, your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is February 6, 2010, Saturday or Sabbath or Shabbat. This is going to be a very interesting program, ladies and gentlemen. I encourage and implore you and suggest and recommend that you listen attentively and really think about what I'm saying here. Because it's it's very important that we understand that our eyes are attached to our brains and that whatever we see, whether we realize it or not, whether we're children or adults, will affect our behavior. So we have to be very careful about what we allow our eyes to see. And the Bible does indicate that, and I will prove that to you today. So anyway, let's address something that I hear too often from quite a few people, more people than I should. I'm bored. Well, what is the meaning of boredom? Well, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and you can look at this online if you want, it means to be weary and restless through lack of interest. So being bored means that you have a lack of interest about something. Now, weary, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, says um, an alternative meaning, number one, exhausted in strength, endurance, vigor, or freshness. Two, expressing or or having a characteristic of weariness. And number three, having one patience, tolerance, or pleasure exhausted. I would say that in the context of boredom, that's what it means. Uh, having one's patience, tolerance, or pleasure exhausted. You're not having fun anymore, or what you think is fun anyway. Now, restless means um, lacking or denying rest, uneasy, continuous uh, moving, unquiet, characterized by or manifesting unrest, especially of the mind. So you just don't know what to do with yourself, basically. That's being bored. You have a lack of interest. Uh, You feel that uh, you're not happy, etc. That's what boredom is. Now, interest. 
means to stir up attention. So when you're bored, you need something to get your attention. Because God has designed each and every one of us to be motivated to do something or, or to have something happen that gets our attention. The problem with most people is that the wrong type of things get our attention. Now, the definition of entertain, I'm going to go over four different words here. Uh, the definition of entertain, entertainment, amuse, and fantasy. Now, and this is all, you can look this up, Merriam-Webster Dictionary, online. Or if you have one, you can look it up yourself, a hard copy of the dictionary. Now, to entertain means, according to Webster, to show hospitality. And that, I was amazed at that because the first thing I think about entertaining, I, I think about uh, having fun for myself. But uh, entertain, the way the word should be used, uh, it means to show hospitality, as Abraham did and, and the other righteous people in the Bible. So it's, it's to provide uh, assistance or to help people, to, to open your home and, and, and have dinner with them or help them with their problems. That, that's, that's what entertainment is supposed to be. All right? But uh, what society has made it to be, unfortunately, uh, they link it with sports to play against an opposing team on one's home field or court uh, to provide entertainment for. And then the word entertainment, according to Webster's, is amusement or diversion. So it's an amusement or diversion provided especially by performers. So it diverts your attention from something. It is something that just snaps your mind from reality. That's what it is, basically. Now, amuse means to divert the attention of so as to deceive or trick, to occupy the attention of, distract, or bewilder. Now, this is interesting because Revelation 12, verse 9, let's turn to that here, states this is what Satan does. Revelation chapter 12, starting in verse 9. It says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, which the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, deceives, meaning that he diverts the attention, and he occupies your attention, he distracts, he bewilders. That's what the devil does. And also the rest of this uh, definition by um, Merriam-Webster says to entertain or occupy in a light, playful, or pleasant manner. So that's another um, optional definition. And then also to appeal to the sense of humor. But the type of entertainment that I'm going to prove today is absorbed by most people is the amusement part, the divert the attention or so as to deceive, to occupy the attention of distract, bewilder. Now, fantasy. Fantasy. This is an interesting definition by Merriam-Webster. It says, the power or process of creating especially, especially unrealistic or improbable mental images in response to psychological need. It's a mental image or a series of mental images. So created. That's what fantasy is, ladies and gentlemen. It's the power or process of creating especially, let me underscore that word, especially unrealistic or improbable mental images in response to psychological need. So when people focus on fantasy like it's the most important thing in the world, what they're doing, whether they realize it or not, 
is causing unrealistic or improbable mental images in response to their psychological needs. And what every human being needs is interaction with other human beings. And what every human being needs is a sense of reality. But unfortunately, we react the wrong way, most of us, and we focus on some things that are unreal. It's like I was talking to my son the other day, you know, about the fact that people state, like the avatar, which I'm going to get into here in a minute. We both agreed that, and we both looked at it because um, his mother and my wife <laughs> looked at it, and she wanted me to look at it. She said, well, if you're going to talk about avatar, don't believe by what other people say. Look at it yourself, and that's a, that's a word of wisdom. I went by that because uh, my wife is very wise, and she does make sense in a lot of cases. And so I did look at it. And one of the things that struck both me and my son is the fact that that movie is probably the best-looking movie as far as imagery ever created in the history of cinema. And the movie is very, very, very good to look at. So the imagery is just perfect almost. But we know that there's no such thing as an avatar. There's no such thing as that. It's fantasy. And it's, it's... well, I'm going to call it what it is, it's mental illness to expect something that's not real, and you want to make it real, but it's not real. You know, Avatar, oh, it looks real, but it's not real. It's not real. It's a mental illness to want something that is not real to be real. You want to force something to be true when it's false, and that's not right. That's not thinking the right way. So anyway, that leads me to Avatar here. I have to talk about Avatar because Avatar is is a historical event. Uh, This movie has toppled Titanic in less time than it took Titanic to become the world's most most popular movie in terms of sales or money. And this movie is not showing any signs of letting up. I think it's been in the box office now seven straight weeks now at number one and i don't know when it's going to slow down no one does Uh, but people are just spending their money like crazy looking at this movie now the movie is about basically your spirit or your essence going into another hybrid or created uh humanoid and and your your essence is put into a a 10-foot body Avatar, all right? And Avatar alludes to the incarnation, basically. Now, there's cursing in this movie quite a bit. There's kissing, and there's a sexual scene, whether people want to deny it or not. Uh, and I'm going to describe it here a little, little more in detail without getting perverted here. But, or, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm going to be very careful about how I describe this. But you have the woman's legs around the guy's thighs, and... And, of course, they're somewhat slightly going up and down, and and then they're kissing, okay? Now, they don't show anything. No sexual organs are shown, okay? But still, the concept is there. The idea of them having sex is there. And that is not permissible in God's eyes, as I'm going to prove to you today. So the movie does have nudity in it. Now, it doesn't show the, the male's organ or the female's organ, but nonetheless, you can see... Uh, the female avatar's breasts, and you can see uh, her behind. You can see uh, the the heroes, um, the male that 
falls in love uh, with her is behind frequently in, in the movie. Also, worshiping the creation rather the creator, rather than the creator, and like in Romans chapter one is emphasized here in the movie. Uh, there are allusions to uh, mother. I think I don't know if it said Mother Earth, but it says the mother here, the mother there, like the mother is a god or something, and and so forth. And of course, with most movies today, uh, there's plenty of violence uh, and, and death and, and so forth. So this movie uh, is, is a movie that I know that God Himself would not waste His time looking at. But um, you wouldn't believe the the amount of uh, opinions that people have and say, "Well, yes, He will look at it." Well. He wouldn't look at that because that's not his character. And I'm going to describe to you what his character is, too, in this Bible study. But I listened to, and you can, Larry King had the entire cast of Avatar invited to his studio to talk about how great the movie is and so forth. Uh, I mean, that's their opinion because, as far as I'm concerned, the movie's not really great, better than deceiving you. But anyway, it says Avatar, the, the um, director of the movie, Jim Cameron, uh, stated that Avatar is a way of escape from reality. It's a way to escape. And, and does God want us to escape reality? I don't think so. Let, let's turn to Amos chapter 9. This is a scripture that I'm going to quote here because I, I know that God does not want us to escape reality. Uh, we can't escape reality, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a world and we're going to have to deal with it. Okay? We're going to have to deal with it and we can't escape reality. The reality that's going to hit us very soon here. And looking at movies to escape reality is sin. I have to call it what it is. It's sin, and, and we have to focus on reality. Whatever we allow ourselves to see and to think about should be reality, even if it's fantasy, which I'm going to go over the parables, which was fantasy, but the fantasy pointed to reality. If the movie is not correctly pointing to reality, that's not a movie you should look at. But anyway, um, Amos chapter 9, verse 1, states this, about Adonai of the Lord. I'm reading this complete Jewish Bible version. I saw Adonai standing behind the altar, or beside the altar, and he said, Strike the tops of the columns into the threshold, shake, smash them to pieces on the heads of all the people. Those who remain I will kill with the sword. Not one of them will succeed in fleeing. Not one of them will escape. If they dig down the shield or the realm of the dead, my hand will haul them out. If they climb up to heaven, which indicates that God knows that uh, eventually mankind would get to the point of traveling in outer space, if they climb up to heaven, I will bring them down. If they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, I will search them out and capture them there. If they hide from me at the bottom of the sea, I will order the serpent to bite them there. If their enemies herd them into exile, I will order the sword to kill them there. I will fix my gaze on them for harm and not for good. So God is telling us that we're not going to be able to escape. So we need to stop trying to escape. All right, uh, reality. Now, of course, in the Bible, it does state that we can escape all the destruction that's going to occur on the earth. But looking at movies and allowing your mind to focus on fantasy is not the way uh, to do it. Uh, let's, let's find out what God tells us to do to escape the real things that are about to occur on the earth, the destruction. Uh, Luke chapter 21, starting in... Verse 34 of Luke chapter 21. I'm reading this complete Jewish Bible version. It says, but keep watch on yourselves. In other words, you know, be sober. Be sober and, and, and don't allow your mind to, to get caught up in all this fantasy garbage. 
but keep watch on yourselves or your hearts will become dulled, and that's what goes on with people when they look at television. Now, what does that word dulled mean? Let's, let's look at the King James Version here. I have to look at the original Greek. Um, that word overcharge means overcharge with surfeiting. Drunkenness. Okay, so getting back to that translation here. just wanted to, to check it in the King James Version. Um, but keep watching yourselves and your hearts will become dull by carousing, drunkenness, and the worries of everyday living. And that day will be sprung upon you suddenly like a trap. So our Lord and Savior is telling us that most people ain't going to know what's going on when this day comes, when the, the day of destruction, the day uh, of uh, the tribulation that's about to come on this earth, the great tribulation, verse 35, for it will close in on everyone, no matter where they live, throughout the whole world. And he's telling us in verse 36 to stay alert, always praying that you will have the strength to escape all the things that will happen and to stand in the presence of the Son of Man. So that's what we need to focus our escape on, not to escape from reality, uh, not to escape um, from reality, but we need to learn how to escape the things that are, that are very real, that is going to come upon this earth. We don't escape reality by going into fantasy. We escape reality by obeying God and staying close to God. And, and keeping watch on ourselves, both spiritually and, and watching world events, uh, caring about what's going on in this country right now, instead of focusing on the Super Bowl, the Saints and the Colts. And the Saints, well, what is it, if the Saints win the game, what is that going to do for you? If the Colts win, what is that going to do for you? People spend too much time, and I'm not saying sports is wrong, but focusing all your energies, all your spare time on sports is wrong. I guarantee you most of those football players don't care about your life or what you want to do. So you get, you've got to, this is a very serious Bible study because, ladies and gentlemen, we do not have that much time left before Yeshua comes back. We've got to get our brains cleaned up. And the purpose of this Bible study is to show us how to do that. Now, good movies like Invictus. The true story of how Mandela, whether out of idealism or astute political judgment, used the 1995 Rugby World Cup and white spring book captain Francis Pignard, or Matt Damon, that's his name, to help build a rainbow nation out of racially divided South Africa. Now, Invictus helps us understand that we need to love our neighbor as ourselves, which is a biblical concept, and that we all come from one blood. These are biblical concepts. And this is a movie that I know that God would look at, and, and this is a movie that I know he would recommend people look at because it's a true story. And it's something that we all should learn, not to be prejudiced. And, and it's because we're uh, of another color. Does that mean that it's, it's something wrong with us? And this is what this movie helps us to understand. Okay, so that's just an example. And there are others of good movies for us to focus on that will help us focus on God that does not take us away from reality into a fantasy world that confuses us and, and causes us to be eventually bored of reality. That's what movies effectively do. Most of them, it causes us to be bored of reality. They have a lack of interest of reality. And God is definitely real and the Bible is real. And the truth, which is the Word of God, the Torah of God is real. 
Now, Jesus' parables. A parable is a short story which the fictitious is used to represent and illustrate the real. Please understand that a parable is not a movie, TV program, book, or music that has sex, violence, and cursing in it that it does not represent the true principles and teachings of God. So, again, I, I want to emphasize this. Please understand that a parable is not a movie, TV program, book, or music that has sex, violence, and cursing in it so that it does not represent the true principles and teachings of God. So, fantasy is okay if, if, and let me underscore this, if it helps you to understand God and his truth and his teachings. If it doesn't do that, it's not good for you to look at or focus on, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the Bible clearly indicates that bad company, bad company corrupts good character. So let's, um, if you have your Bible here, uh, please uh, jot these scriptures down and uh, take a look at these scriptures because these scriptures will really hit home what I'm trying to explain to you today. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. The rich, oops, no, Proverbs 23, verse 7. Now it says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. It says, eat and drink, says he, but his heart is not with me. So the purpose of me quoting this is that as you think, so you are. So if you, you look at Avatar and you keep on looking at it and keep on looking at it, eventually you're going to think that you are an Avatar eventually if you keep on looking at it. Same thing when people look at uh, X-rated movies. You keep on looking at X-rated movies. I don't care who you are. Sex is very powerful. You keep on looking at it, you're going to want to do what they do. If you keep on looking at a violent movie over and over and over again, depends on how violent the movie is. If it's, it's a very violent movie, those images will affect you. I know some people, well, that's not going to affect me. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. I'm going to prove that to you. Yes, it will. Remember, your eyes are attached to your brain. And just like you should be careful about what you eat, because when you eat, right, the food goes into your mouth, and it affects your body negatively or positively if it's good food. Well, the same thing with what you allow your eyes to see. If you allow your eyes to see sex, kissing, cursing, or hear cursing and see it, you know, when they move their mouths and have attitude problems or nonverbal cues when they do curse, nudity, uh, false worship, eventually you're going to do those things yourself. And when you think about those things, which Yeshua or Jesus stated defiles the man and your mind, you're, you're not going to be close to God like you should be. Because God definitely is not about all those things. His character is not about that. First uh, Corinthians 15, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. says, be not deceived, evil communications, as is in the King James versions, or company corrupts. It says, evil um, company corrupts good manners. And that word manners, and it should be translated habits. So, be not deceived, evil 
company corrupts good habits. So we need to be very careful about that. You, you can't allow yourself to be around people that are ungodly, that break God's laws on a consistent basis, and you can't allow yourself to see movies that really don't point you to God and the Bible, but takes you into a fantasy land to forget about your problems and not face reality. God has designed us to face reality, not run away from it. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, a beautiful psalm here. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, he, just like you bounce up and down and look at your favorite football game, or you love to look at tennis and look at your favorite tennis player, or you love to play your favorite video game. That's the kind of delight that God wants us to have for his teachings. But his delight is in the law of God, and in his law does he meditate day or night. And he studies uh, in the day, and then he studies at night. Verse 3, this is what he promises. If you are just as excited for Bible study as you are, um, things that you think are just as important as that, uh, tennis and sports and so forth. And he shall be like a tree or movies planted by the, the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. And the reason why is because whatever you're doing is in line with God's commandments. That's why it's going to prosper. Verse 4, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation or the fellowship of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish which means all these television programs. We're not going to have these filth, filthy uh, television programs in God's kingdom. I guarantee you that. And I don't know if we're going to even have television. I doubt it. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. The television, ladies and gentlemen, does not do that. <laughs> I mean, there are some programs that you, you can look at that may give you some wisdom, but the majority of television programs that we're going to prove to you today don't give you that kind of wisdom. Don't give you no wisdom at all. Verse 5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain to wise counsels to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and, the, and their dark sayings. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law or Torah of the, thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as a grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. If we're looking at any movies like that, we shouldn't look at those type of movies. Verse 17, Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk 
effectively for their own lives. So are the ways, and privily means secretly. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which take away the life of the owners thereof. And in verse 20, it says, Wisdom cried without, she uttered her voice in the street, she cried in the chief place of concourse and the openings of the gates in the city, she uttered her words, saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. So God calls us each a fool if we hate knowledge. Verse 23, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. So if you repent and clean up your mind, what he's going to do is pour out his spirit unto you, and he will make his words known unto you. So he's going to help you understand the Bible if you focus on reality, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 24, Because I have called and you refuse, I stretch out my hand and no man regard it, but you have set it not at my counsel. In other words, you don't want to listen to me. And with none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. You don't want God to laugh at when you have problems. You don't want that. I will mock when your fear comes, when your fear comes as a desolation and your destruction comes as a whirlwind or a hurricane, when distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. You do not want to be in that situation, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 29. For they that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they were none of my counsel. They despise all my correction or reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whosoever hearkens or pays attention unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. That's the key of the real escape, ladies and gentlemen. We have to focus on God. If we focus on God and his commandments and his teachings, instead of focusing on Avatar and other stupid movies to uh, provide uh, a sense of attention, uh, to provide what to stir our attention. Fantasy should not stir our attention unless it points to God. What should really stir our attention is anything that points us to God, and of course the Bible does that. Okay, how much time I have left here? Because I get in the habit of just really talking. Yeah, one hour, 30 minutes, plenty of time here. Okay, I have a lot to talk about here. Uh, let's turn to Proverbs 10, verse 4. Proverbs 10, verse 4 states, He become a poor that dealeth... Well, I think that's the wrong scripture here. Proverbs 10, I hate when I do this. I think it must be Psalms 10, verse, let me see, Proverbs 15, verse 26. There we go. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. So if, if you allow yourself to look at um, television programs that are an abomination to him, he tells you that you, your thoughts are an abomination to him says, but the words that appear are pleasant words. So we have to be very careful, ladies and gentlemen. Let me see if I can find this other scripture here uh, that I misquoted. So we've got to make sure that our thoughts are, are the right type of thoughts or it's an abomination to him. It's an abomination to him. So we, we, we've got to make sure that we're thinking straight. Okay, what's going on with my Bible program here? There we go. All right. Uh, 
I guess that's a misquote. Let me. looking for the scripture here. Okay. So um, Proverbs 15, 26 is sufficient for now. Psalm 94. Psalm 94. Verse 11. It says, The Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are meaningless. So this is your Lord and Savior telling you that the majority of our thoughts, because the whole world has been deceived, of course, is vanity. It's meaningless. That's what he's saying. Or futile. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 113. He says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. This is David telling God that he hates meaningless thoughts, but the law do I love. Now, how do we get meaningless thoughts? Well, through the entertainment industry, an industry that is focused on amusement and fantasy. Again, what is amusement and fantasy? Let's go over that again. To divert the attention of soul as to deceive, to occupy the attention of, distract, bewilder. Fantasy, the power or process of creating especially unrealistic or improbable mental images in response to psychological needs. A mental image or a series of mental images. So created. That's what amusement and fantasy is, and that's what the entertainment industry is full of. It's full of that. And God is telling us to get away from that. Those kind of thoughts, when we look at something, we think about it. We think about what we're looking at. is an abomination to him. Proverbs 12, verse 5. 12, verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are right. What's right? Of course, right has something to do with keeping God's commandments. Proverbs 12, verse 5. It says, but the counsels of the wicked are deceits, are deceit, or trickery as I, I, I've been trying to explain to you. you know, living God's way of life has a lot to do with making sure that you have your mind un, under control, ladies and gentlemen. To repent means to change, to, to change your mind, change how the way you think. The problem with mankind, ladies and gentlemen, is that we have a problem thinking straight. The Bible is a psychology book. The Bible is a book to show us how to think properly. It's the best book in the world for that. It's better than any of the uh, top psychology books. That word consuls in the original Hebrew means top bula, and it means uh, guidance, plan. It says, but the plans of the wicked are deceit, trickery, fraud, craft. That's what it means. Proverbs 16, verse 13. 
Okay, I'm going to read this from the beginning of it because it's excellent here. It says, let me read this in the uh, complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake here. This is a good Proverbs to study here, by the way, Proverbs 16. And it talks about the mind and so forth. It says, a person is responsible to prepare his heart, but how the tongue speaks is from Adonai. So it states here that we are responsible to prepare our minds, but how the tongue speaks is from Adonai. Verse 2 of Proverbs chapter 16, the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. All a man's ways are pure in his own view, but Adonai weighs the spirit. So we can't look at a movie and say, well, I, you know, I think that movie's okay. Blah. What you got to do is compare it to God's uh, way of life. And how do you do that? By comparing it with God's law. Proverbs 16, verse 3, if you entrust all you do to Adonai or the Lord, your plans will achieve success. But you have to and trust all you do to him. That's the key. And then he says your plans will achieve success. Verse 4. Adonai, the Lord, made everything for his purpose, even the wicked for the day of disaster. Verse 5. Adonai detests all those with proud hearts. He be assured that they will not go unpunished. Grace and truth atone for iniquity. And people turn from evil through the fear of Adonai. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even a man's enemies to be at peace with him. Better a little with righteousness than a huge income with injustice. So I say that to people who know me personally. and They say, well, Kennard is not making a lot of money and all that. Well, it says here, better a little with righteousness than a huge income with injustice. That's what God's Word says. And verse 9, a person may plan his path, but Adonai, or the Lord, directs his steps. So, you know, this is a lot of wisdom here. And then in verse 16 it states, How much better than gold is it to gain wisdom? Yes, rather than money, choose to gain understanding. It says in verse 17 of Proverbs 16, Avoiding evil is the highway of the upright. He who watches his step preserves his life. So these are very important Proverbs here. And then verse 21 of Proverbs 16, a wise-hearted person is said to have discernment. And what is discernment? The ability to tell what's right and what's wrong. And the sweetness of speech adds to learning. And verse 22 of Proverbs 16 says, common sense is a fountain of life to one who has it, whereas fools are punished by their own folly. And verse 23 of Proverbs 16, a wise man's heart teaches his mouth, and to his lips it adds learning. In verse 25 of Proverbs, there can be a way which seems right to a person, but at its end are the ways of death. In verse 28 of Proverbs 16, a deceitful person stirs up arguments of strife, and a slanderer can separate even close friends. And it says a violent man in verse 29 of Proverbs 16 lures his neighbor astray and leads him into evil ways. So, if, again, if you're looking at movies that has a lot of violence in it, what, is there, what it does is stir you away and leads you into evil ways. So these are some good proverbs here to study, and I just thought I would quote some of them. It's really, really 
good words of wisdom here, and, and we need to take it to heart. And let me look up that word in the original Hebrew in verse 22 of Proverbs 16. It states understanding in, in the King James Version. It says, it says intelligence. Uh, the original Hebrew for that is shekel or seiko. And it can also mean success, discretion, knowledge. is a wellspring of life unto him that have it. But the instruction of fools is folly. Okay, so that that's some good passage of scripture there to to memorize and to understand and reflect on. Now, the entertainment industry has greatly contributed, as I've alluded to here, toward a person's lack of interest in thinking like God. It really has, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it really seems to be getting worse at each passing second, really, uh, how we just totally are into fantasy and things that aren't real instead of focusing on things that are real. When I talk about the entertainment industry, I'm talking about movies, music videos, looking at TV, playing video games. Now, the highest-selling movie of all time, Avatar, which is close to $2 billion, and, and only the Lord knows how much more money that movie's going to make, the length of the movie is 2 hours and 40 minutes. Uh, I think the average length of a movie is around almost close to 2 hours. Now, if you can look at a movie like Avatar, then you can listen to this two-hour Bible study. And I, I do hear, uh, well, some people have alluded to saying that uh, perhaps uh, my Bible studies are too long. Well, do you think that Avatar is too long? It's two hours and 40 minutes. But see, most people would say that they don't think it's too long because they like it. See, it has something to do with desire, just like the length of a book, if 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 you like a book, you don't care how many pages it is. If you get so much into it, you don't care. You love it. Whatever you love is not an obstacle to you. But whatever you don't like, it is. Remember that. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 34. And remember this, too. Uh, For where your treasure is, there will your mind be also. So in other words, what you spend your money on, that's what you like and that's what you focus on all right um people right now are focusing their minds on fantasy this movie is the highest grossing movie of all time over two billion dollars that's a lot of money ladies and gentlemen that's two thousand million dollars that people are spending on filth and garbage and vanity that serves no purpose other than to cause you to go into a world of fantasy and forget reality and they're spending $2 billion or more on this. What you need to understand, turn to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Starting in verse 18, it states that, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we, we need to focus more on the things, ladies and gentlemen, that are not seen. Folk, you know, people focus on, oh, it looks real. It looks real when it's not real. God doesn't want us to focus on those things. He wants us to focus on things that we can't see that are real, like God, for instance, and the spiritual world. 
That's what he wants us to focus on. That's what he wants us to focus on, ladies and gentlemen. That is the truth. Let me read this in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eighteen. We concentrate not on what is seen, but on what is not seen, since things seen are temporary, but things not seen are eternal. And people that focus and rely on movies uh, for their life, their umbilical cord, basically, is 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 wrong. Focus on the things that, that are not seen because they are eternal. That's what's more important, ladies and gentlemen. And for people who think that my Bible studies are so long, let's let's turn to Nehemiah or Nehemiah, rather, chapter eight. You know, Ezra he preaches much longer than me, or preached much longer than me. Ezra described the teacher of the law of God. That's what a scribe is. The law of Moses. He taught the law of Moses. And people that claim they're ministers and don't teach you the law of Moses, they're not ministers, according to the Bible. Nehemiah, they're not complete ministers anyway. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Verse 1, in the King James Version. It says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation or assembly, both of men and women. Let me read this in complete Jewish Bible version. I want to get the Hebraic background on this. Nehemiah chapter 8. Yes, all the people gathered with one accord in a complete Jewish Bible version, one accord in an open space in the front of the water gate, and asked Ezra the Torah teacher to bring the scroll of the Torah of Moshe, or Moses, which Adonai the Lord had commanded Israel. Ezra the Kohen, or priest, brought the Torah before the assembly, which consisted of men, women, and all children old enough to understand. It was the first day of the seventh month, or this was uh, Yom Teror, or uh, Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets. Verse 3, facing the open space in front of the water gate, he read from it to the men, the women, and the children who could understand from early morning until noon. So he 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 read from the book of, uh, this is what I'm doing. He read from the book from early morning, which is around 6 o'clock, until noon. So he read six hours approximately to the people. And all the people listened attentively. They weren't bored. They didn't have a lack of interest. And all the people listened attentively to the scroll of the Torah. Verse 4, Ezra the Torah teacher stood on a wood, wood platform like ministers do today and on their uh, pulpits, which they had for the purpose beside him on his right, uh, Matiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hila, Yah, and Ma'asriah, while on his left were Badiah, or, well, I, I won't read the rest of the words here, but he had other people to help him. Verse 5, and Ezra opened the scroll where all the people could see him because he was higher than all the people when he opened it and the people rose to their feet. And Ezra blessed Adonai the Lord. Adonai means the Lord in Hebrew. The great God and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Which means so be it. As they lifted up their hands, bowed their heads, and fell prostrate before Adonai with their faces to the ground. 
and then all of his helpers. I'm not going to list all the, the, the uh, <laughs> their names here, but they explain the Torah to the people, why the people remain in their places. So God has Torah teachers to help you understand the Bible. I'm one of them. Verse 8, they read clearly from the scroll, and the Torah of God translated it and enabled them to understand the sense of what was being read. So Torah teachers have the ability to help you. That's what I'm doing today. They help you understand the Bible. Verse 9. And Nehemiah said, Ezra the Cohen and Torah teacher and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, Today is consecrated to the Lord your God. Don't be mournful. Don't weep. For all the people have been weeping when they heard the words of the Torah. So they took it seriously. Verse 10. Then he said to them, Go, eat rich food, drink sweet drinks. And that's what you're supposed to do on, on many of God's holy days. And send portions to those who can't provide for themselves. That's what you should do as well on those holy days. For today is consecrated to our Lord. Don't be sad because the joy of Adonai is your strength. Verse 11. In this way, the Levites quieted the people as they said, Be quiet, for today is holy. Don't be sad. Verse 12. Then the people went off to eat, drink, send portions, and celebrate because they had understood. This is the reason why they celebrated. Because they had understood the words that had been proclaimed to them. So that's the reason why they were happy, because they understood God's Word. And I guarantee you, if you really change your mind and, and get into God's Word, it's going to make you happy. And my next Bible study is going to talk about how you can bring true joy and happiness to your life. But anyway, verse 13 of ne uh, Nehemiah, On the second day, the heads of the fathers' clans of all the people assembled with the Kohanim, or the priests, and the Levim, or Levites, before Ezra the Torah teacher to study the words of the Torah. They found written in the Torah that Adonai had ordered through Moshe that the people of Israel were to live in Sukkot or um, tabernacles during the Feast of the Seventh Month, and that they were to announce and pass a word in all the cities and in all of Jerusalem, go out to the mountains and collect branches of olives, uh, wild olives, myrtles, palms, and other leafy trees and make Sukkot as prescribed. So anyway, I just wanted to, uh, in verse 18, well, actually, verse 17, I just want to end here. said, The entire community of those who had returned from the exile made Sukkot and lived in the Sukkot, for the people of Israel had not done so since the days of Yeshua, the son of Nun, or Jesus, the son of Nun. His name was also called Jesus, or uh, Joshua. Jesus' name is it be either Joshua, it can be Jesus, uh, Yeshua. So there was very, was very great joy. There was great joy on them. And one, that's one of the ways they have joy. I'm going to cover this in more detail. Is by keeping their holy days. Verse 18, and, and they read every day from the first day until the last day in the scroll of the Torah of God. They kept the feast for seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. All right, so I just wanted to give you an example that I'm following the pattern of Ezra the scribe. And I, I'm, I'm teaching you the Bible the way he would do it. So getting back here, I've got one hour and nine minutes, plenty of time here. Now, let's let's talk about the, the, the negative effect of Hollywood um, th th through God's eyes. Um, number one, God wants us to do the following. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. 12, starting in verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God and by, by the compassions of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This particular scripture alludes to the burnt offering. The burnt offering is an offering where the entire animal is burnt on the offering, so it's a complete sacrifice. And that's the way God wants us to picture that burnt offering spiritually. We should completely sacrifice our lives to God and be willing to die, 
die for God if necessary. Verse 2, and it says, be not conformed to this world. And when you look at movies, it definitely conforms you to the world, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let me read this in the Hebraic version for clarity's sake. Romans chapter 12, because you need, really need to understand. Romans chapter 12, if you want a, an outline of what to do to not be bored, this is it. Okay, This is one of the chapters to focus on here. And in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, In other words, do not let yourself be conformed to the standards of Olam Hazah, which means the world. Instead, keep letting yourselves be transformed. I know they have a movie called Transformers. And <laughs> that movie gets you off in a fantasy land, and it has, uh, I forgot her name, but she's very good looking. And I'm sure a lot of people go see the movie. As a matter of fact, some, even some women, unfortunately, say, yeah, I like the way her behind looks, you know, and all that. And it's just ridiculous. But, uh, of course, they have her in a movie to attract people to the movie. And also what attracts people to the movie of Transformers is the fact that it has great special effects. And it's, it's, a, it's a movie about robots having life in them, I guess, you know. And <laughs> it's a complete uh, fabrication of what God wants to transform us into. He wants to transform us into spiritual beings. And that's what the gospel is all about, to offer us the gift of salvation, which is immortality. Romans 2, verse 2, In other words, do not let yourself be conformed to the standards of the world, or Olam, Hazah. Instead, keep letting yourselves be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to renew our minds, ladies and gentlemen, because our minds, we're born, as I proved to you in a prior Bible study, we're born with wickedness. Hold your place here and turn to Genesis again. Let's go over that scripture. Genesis chapter 9. This is what God stated. Let's see. Genesis uh, chapter 8, verse 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his mind, or heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's mind is evil from his youth. That's what your God says. That's what all of our gods say. He's the God of everyone. And he tells us that we are wicked from youth. That's the reason why in Romans 2, verse 2, it says we have to transform. We have to keep letting our, ourselves or yourselves be transformed or ourselves by the renewing of our minds so that you will know what God wants and will agree with what he wants is good, satisfying, and, and able to succeed. Verse 3 of the complete Jewish Bible version of the Bible. For I'm telling you, Every single one of you, through the grace that has been given to me, not to have exaggerated ideas about your own importance. Instead, develop a sober estimate of yourself based on the standard which God has given to each of you, namely trust. Verse 4, for just as there are many parts that compose one body, but the parts don't all have the same function, so there are many of us, and in union with the Messiah, we comprise one body which each of us belonging to the others. But we have gifts that differ and which are meant to be used according to the grace that has been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, use it to the extent of your trust. If it is serving, use it to serve. If you are a teacher, use your gift in teaching. If you are a counselor, use your gift to comfort and exhort. If you are someone who gives, do it simply and generously. If you are in a position of leadership, lead with diligence and zeal. If you are one who does acts of mercy or compassion or zadaka or acts of charity, do them cheerfully. Verse 9. Don't let love be a mere outward show. Recoil from what is evil and cling to what is good. Verse 10, love each other de devotedly and with brotherly love. 
and set examples for each other in showing respect. Verse 11, don't be lazy when hard work is needed, but serve the Lord with spiritual fever. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in your troubles and continue steadfastly in prayer. Share what you have with God's people and practice hospitality. That's what entertainment really is, ladies and gentlemen. It's not to be amused or fantasized, okay? Uh, verse 13 in Romans chapter 12. Share what you have with God's people and practice hospitality or entertain. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be sensitive to each other's needs. Don't think yourselves better than others, but make humble people your friends. Don't be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but try to do what everyone regards as good, if possible, because sometimes it is impossible, but if possible, in Romans 12, verse 18, and to the extent that it depends on you, live in peace with all people. Never seek revenge, my friends. Instead, leave that to God's anger, for in the Tanakh it is written, Adonai, the Lord says, Vengeance is my responsibility. I will repay. And verse 20 of Romans chapter 12, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap fiery coals on his head. Verse 21, Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. And that's what many people do when they look at television and movies that, that are evil. They're trying to to overcome evil with evil, but, but you have to conquer evil with good. Look at movies that, that help you do that, that visualize, put healthy images in your mind that point you to God and his character. That's the important thing. You have one hour and two minutes. First John 2, verse 15 and 17. First John 2, verse 15 and 17. states this. It says in the complete Jewish Bible verse, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If someone loves the world, it's not saying that you shouldn't love the people, but the people's bad attitudes and their bad character. That's what we shouldn't love. If someone loves the world, then love for the Father is not in him. Because all the things are in the world, the desires of the old nature, the desires of the eyes, which Avatar really, really fulfills. Uh, it, it definitely fulfills the desires of the eyes to see something uh, spectacular and beautiful. And the pretensions of life are not from the Father, but from the world. And this is a key verse, verse 17. And the world is passing away, along with his desires. Avatar is passing away. All Batman is passing away. All these things that we think are important to us is passing away. But whoever does God's will remains forever. And this is in the context of children. This is the last hour. You have heard that Antimessiah is coming. And in fact, many Antimessiahs have already, so I just want to tell you what this is in the context of. He wants us to get rid of all things. We, 1 John 2, verse 15 to 16 describes to you what is seen on television in most cases and, and also in movies and in video games. And in 1 Peter 2, verses 11 to 12, First Peter 2, verses 11 and 12. In the complete Jewish Bible version, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents not to give in to the desires of your old nature, which keep warring against you, but to live such good lives among the pagans. Pagans are people that don't obey God and 
that quite frankly thinks that all the law of God has been nailed to the cross and that all we have to do is believe Jesus and, and that's it. We don't have to do anything else. He he did it all for us. So that, that's a pagan type of thinking there, even among Christianity. Most most of Christians think that way, that the law has been nailed to the cross. Verse 12, but to live such good lives among the pagans that even though they now speak against you as evildoers, and I have many people thinking I'm evil because I'm keeping the law of God, I'm a scribe, I'm a Torah teacher, and just like Ezra, I teach the law of Moses because the law of Moses is the law of God. So anyway, in verse 12, but to live such good lives among the pagans that even though they now speak against you as evildoers, they will, as a result of seeing your good actions, give glory to God on the day of his coming. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, I know that people that judge me, they're going to get they're going to get it in the future. So you got to be very careful about how you judge me and or other people that believe correctly that the law of God is the law of Moses and by the way, if you guys still don't believe that statement, please look at my three-part Bible study on it that uh, I have featured on, on the Blog Talk Radio website. It says, it is the law of Moses nailed to the cross. That's the first part. Is the law of Moses nailed to the cross. The second one is, what is sin? And the third is, one law for mankind. It's a six-hour comprehensive Bible study. I suggest you look at that. And if you believe God's word, you won't ever, ever believe again that the law of Moses is nailed to the cross. And you will understand that the law of Moses is the law of God. Let me drink some water. I'll be right back. All right, so let's focus on the movie and TV rating system. <laughs> uh, let's focus on that here because, as I was telling my wife the other day, if you have people in the industry taking the time to rate movies and television to tell you what's in it, then we should take the time using God's word to be able to tell whether or not we need to look at a movie or television program. That only makes logical sense, all right? And I already quote to you that the devil deceives the whole world in Revelation 12, verse 9. Let's turn to Jeremiah 16 again as a prophecy about people that don't have God in their lives or deceive themselves into thinking they do. A revelation, um, Zach, what is it, uh, Jeremiah 12, Jeremiah 16, verse 19 to 21. It states, this is a prophecy, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction. The Gentiles, and these are people that don't have God in their lives or or they think they believe in God, but they don't really obey what he says. The Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth, and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, so our past generation have inherited lies. Vanity, meaningless, and things wherein there is no profit. Shall a man make gods unto himself, and they are no gods? Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know, I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is Yahweh, or Yehovah, or Y-H-W-H-Y-H-V-H. All right, so let's understand that, and let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 11. We have to be aware of his devices, ladies and gentlemen. We have to be aware of the devil's devices. And one of his major tools is the television and the entertainment industry, ladies and gentlemen. He, that tool has been an effective tool for him for many years now to deceive people in America and the world, to cause you not to think straight. And I'm telling you as one of, one of God's servants to, to wake up to that reality. The time to do that is now. And that word where it says, let Satan, that not Satan, should get an advantage. You don't want Satan to get an advantage of you. 
for we are not ignorant of his devices. And unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, uh, many of us are ignorant of his devices. That word ignorant in the original Greek means lack of information or intelligence. You don't know what his devices are, and we can't be that way. Devices in the original Greek means no agma. It means perception, purpose, his, his, his intelligence, his, his thought, what he's thinking. We can't be ignorant of what the devil's thinking. We can't be ignorant of his intelligence, of his purpose. And what is his purpose? What is the devil's purpose, ladies and gentlemen? Let's turn to the first Peter five, verse eight. This is the devil's purpose. First first Peter five verse eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And that word devour in original Greek it means to drink down, to gulp entirely, to swallow. He wants to swallow you up like your meat and food. That's what he wants to do, ladies and gentlemen. That's what this being wants to do to you. So you better be aware of his devices or his purpose or his intelligence or his schemes and plots to destroy you and gulp you down and swallow you up like your drink. Okay. And that's what he wants to do through these movies to you. Second Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 13 to 15. It tells you about the devil again. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful, tricky workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Uh, I said that he deceives the whole world, and he has a lot of false ministers and preachers out here. Verse 14. No model for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. It's like the Transformers. It, it appears to be a good movie, but I can tell you on the authority of the Scriptures that it's not. Uh, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Verse 15, Therefore it is no great thing, it's no great thing, if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Okay? So the devil is a tricky, tricky guy here. And we have to, to understand how tricky he truly is. In Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 2. It says, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. And that's referring to the atmosphere. So he has power over it. That's what your Bible says. And the thing about television, I was telling my wife today, there's certain signals that are transmitted through the air through television. And that's pretty interesting here. But anyway, air means uh, he's the prince of the power of the air. It's a blow. Air, this means air in this context. And this is the spirit, and the devil is the spirit, that now works in the children of disobedience or disbelief, rebellious, those who don't want to obey. And this word is used, child, son, you know, is referring to the children, but it, it also can apply to people in general who disobey. And then in verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation, our involvement, to busy ourselves, okay, in times past in the lust of our own flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And that's what the movies do. It it attempts, and I, I would say successfully, fulfills our lustful desires. And it states here that many people are today, and we're by the nature of the children of wrath, even as others. So we have to, to be careful about, again, what we look at in light of what I just quoted. 52 minutes left. I have to speed up here. All right, so Matthew 18, verse 3 to 9. I'm going to quote you these, these ratings here, and I know what people are going to say. Well, you know, I've heard one person say, well, I'm grown. You know, you can't, you know, I'm grown. Well, we have to determine whether or not we're grown as far as what God thinks, okay? We have to look at God, and we have to, to look at his word, and he, he determines whether or not we're truly grown or not. Um, Matthew chapter 18, verses 3 to 4. And what I mean by grown, grown up spiritually, being able to discern what's right and what's wrong. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, and he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as his little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So God is telling us that we must become humble like little children. We, we must be willing to be corrected. And we must be willing to learn like a little child. And before I get into these ratings, it's interesting, and I, and I just noticed this, that parental guidance, this, and parental guidance, you know, it's, it's, it's bad for children to look at, but it's okay for adults. It's like uh, when you go to a um, an adult bookstore where they have pornography and filth and all that. They call it adults. Adult only. Like it's supposed to be okay because it's for adults only. Well, not in God's eyes. What's bad for kids is bad for us. Okay, it's no difference. If, if it's bad for children, if violence, nudity, sensuality, language, and adult activities, drug use, and all that, if that's bad for children, then it must be bad for us. We can't have a different standard for children and it's okay for adults. That's hypocrisy. And children see that. And that's the reason why children grow up and they act worse than their parents at times. Anyway, um just wanted to point that out. So anyway, these ratings are for all of us, not just for children. Even though these, these deceived people, these people that rate these movies and televisions think that it's just for for kids only, but it's okay for adults to look at filth and garbage. That's the deception that Satan is throwing up out us, throwing out at us. Anyway, Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. starting in verse uh, 27 to 28. He states this, and I'm going to state this because it, it, m much of the movies that we look at today is full of sex and violence, so I, I, have, to, I have to address this. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 27 to 28. You have heard, I mean, I, I can't even, when I do look at television, a few times I do, they have commercials of, of half-naked women almost, uh, Victoria's Secrets and all. I mean, it's just sex is, is so important to marketers today because they know that it, it, it really attracts people and, 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 and it lures you into doing what they want you to do, which is buy their products and services. That's why they link. That's why uh, the, if you've ever, ever seen an ad with a, a woman in a bikini next to a car, it works. It works. It doesn't work on me, but it must work on a lot of men because they still do it today. They still advertise cars with almost... But they can women right next to them. 
because they know that the men will be attracted to the woman, and then when they're attracted to the woman, they will be attracted to the car that they're standing next to. And that's worked for years. But anyway, Matthew 5, verse 20 says, You have heard that our fathers were told, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you that a man who looks at a woman with the purpose of lusting after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So I wanted to point that out because whenever we even look and lust at a woman, and when you look at pornography and, and look at Playboy magazines and Hustler magazines and, 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 and look at half-naked women and the Grammys and, and so forth, uh, when you do that, you are committing adultery. And if you're enjoying what you're looking at instead of being appalled at and saying, oh, man, but you say, oh, man, she looked good. Oh, yeah. You, know, you start acting like that, then you've already committed adultery in your heart. Okay, so I just wanted to point that out. And in Proverbs 6, verse 32, let me speed up here. If I go too fast, just um, the beautiful thing about Blog Talk Radio, you can always uh, review this and you can, uh, in the archives, and, and listen to it again and jot down the scriptures. Proverbs 6, verse 32 states this says, but whosoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. So you're lacking understanding when you are enjoying seeing a woman half-naked or naked and so forth. You lack understanding. And also, and this is important, he that doeth it destroys his own soul. You're destroying yourself when you look at that garbage. That's what the Bible says. You're destroying your mind and your life. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that, ladies and gentlemen. And this is God's word that's telling you this. It's God's word that's telling you this. And Proverbs 6, verse 32, in the complete Jewish Bible version, which I think is a clear translation, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. And it says in verse 33, he will get nothing but blows and contempt and his disgrace will not be wiped away. So it's very important, ladies and gentlemen, to, to not look at these movies that have sexual content in it, that have butt-naked women and, and I guess, butt-naked women, some ca uh, men in some cases. You know, you, you can't look at that stuff. It destroys you. That's what your, your Bible says. Hosea. I'm focusing on this because this is one of the major problems in this country. We love our sex. We love uh, hearing... Stories about, uh, you know, like Tiger Woods, and, and we love hearing about stuff like that. We, we, you've seen the, the rebel in it, you know, and that's not right. It's not right. We're destroying our lives and our minds by focusing on that stuff. And we're, and we're not allowing ourselves to think properly and to have sense. Hosea, chapter 4. Read this in the complete Jewish Bible version. It says, Horn and wine, both old and new, take away my people's wits or their minds. My people consult their piece of wood, their diviner's wand speaks to them, for the spirit of whoring makes them err, and they go whoring, deserting their gods. So when you look at and that's what a whore is, biblically. Uh, some, it can be a male or a female, really, that you go around sleeping with people and you're not married to them. That's whoring. That's the spirit of whoring, and it causes you to err. And if you revel in that and if you enjoy looking at that, I mean, the, we have, as I was telling my wife before the Bible study, in this country, 
we have soap operas, and that's what they focus on. Sex, sex, and more sex in, in, the, in the late afternoon, in the early afternoon, the late afternoon. Every day, Monday through Friday, you have your soap operas. And the majority of them focus on, on sex and violence and wickedness. And that's what people spend their time on. As you're going to discover today, the average time that people look at television is over four and a half, about over four hours. And they don't spend it looking at programs that point you to God. They spend it on looking at programs that point you away from God, that destroys your mind and destroys your life. That's what they do. And in Hosea 4, verse 11, Hoard them in wine and new wine, take away the mind or the heart. My people ask counsel as their stocks and the staff declare unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms has caused them to err, and they have gone a whoring from under their God. Going away from God. That's what that's what the, all this pornography and all kinds of other wickedness does. And then Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 29. Leviticus 19, verse 29. Read this in the complete Jewish Bible version. It says, Do not debase your daughter by making her a prostitute. So the response is the response as I explained in, in some Bible studies, is the responsibility of the father not to make his daughter a prostitute who is a whore. Who's going around sleeping with folks and not married with them. So and then she does it for money. And that's what pornography is all about. Women are hired to make movies and they make money. Do not debase your daughter by making her a prostitute so that the land will not fall into prostitution and become full of shame. This whole country, the majority of spots in it, and geographically, are full of shame. Particularly in California, the, the center of pornography in this country. And if they don't repent of that, that, that state will be cursed. It's already being cursed. It's going to be far more cursed than what it is if those people don't repent of that mess. Psalms 101, verse 3. Now, in a complete Jewish Bible version, and this is the key scripture here before I get into the ratings of, of television and movies. It says, I will not allow before my eyes any shameful thing, any shameful thing, or no wicked thing, Okay, so it says right here in the King James Version, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside, shall not cleave to me. And then complete Jewish Bible Version, I will not allow before my eyes any shameful thing or wicked thing. I hate those who act crookedly, or he doesn't like those who act crookedly. What they do does not attract me, okay? Deviousness will depart from me. I will not tolerate evil. So that was David's mind, and we shouldn't tolerate evil, and evil should not attract us. And unfortunately, the wickedness in Avatar and other stupid movies attracts people, attracts people, and it shouldn't attract you. Okay, now I got this information from the Motion Picture Association of America. You can feel free to get all this information online. You can find out for yourself what I found out. It's www.m as in mother, p as in Paul, a as in apple, a as in apple dot org. Now, in 2007, the world spent over 26 billion dollars on movies. 
$9 billion in the United States. This is from the Entertainment Industry Market Statistics 2007 by the MPAA or Movie Picture Association of America. Now, that scripture, remember I quoted that scripture to you about uh, where your treasure is. That's where your mind is at. Well, obviously people's minds are on the wrong thing because they're spending a lot of money on filth. Uh, the sporting industry generates $16 billion a year. Now, with sports, in most cases, is okay, but the devil has splittered his uh, type of devices in that, too. When you look at basketball games, you have almost well, partially naked women cheerleaders, and then you have in football, you have that. You know, So, unfortunately, uh, the uh, industry of sex has penetrated sports as well. And then, unfortunately, Serena, I think she's repented of this finally, but she was wearing scuba tank, whatever, scuba clothes or whatever, looking sexual and stuff. And then if you just Google Serena on Google, uh, the first thing you see is her in a bathing suit, basically. You know, So, unfortunately, that's just one example of the many where it tells you how sex has penetrated the sporting industry. And there's so many different examples, but that's just one example of the many. Uh, but I do give her this much credit. Uh, I noticed when she won the award, when she won the uh, Australian uh, Open, she she thanked God first. So I give her that much. I give credit when it's due. And most people, they don't even thank God, thank God first, especially athletes. They don't thank God first when they win something. But at least she had enough uh, fortitude to thank God for her victory. And that was great. And I hope people follow that example. But anyway, families go to movies more than theme parks. Theme parks, theme, T-H-E-M-E, theme parks or sporting events. And that's pretty interesting. Families go to movies more than theme parks or sporting events. And this is, again, from the Entertainment Industry Market Statistics, 2007, by the Motion Picture Association of America. Now, here are the ratings. G is, means it's okay for everyone. You don't have any abomination, any violation of, of God's law and the movie in most cases in a G movie. So G movie is something that you could see. Now, as soon as you talk about, as soon as you eliminate G from the picture, you have problems here. PG, violence, profanity, and brief nudity can be in a PG movie. Um, yep, it says right here, um, and you can look at the, the Motion Picture Association of America, it says, says, uh, the more mature genes in some PG-rated movies may call for parental guidance. There may be some profanity and some depictions of violence or brief nudity. So that's what it be. And I, I surprisingly looked up E.T., and I saw that movie, E.T., and that movie is PG. <laughs> that's sad, E.T., you know. But anyway, and then Star Wars is PG. The old Star Wars movies is PG. And PG movies has violence, profanity, and brief nudity. Not intense, but brief nudity, whether it is intense or not, is bad. Profanity is bad, and violence, of course, is bad, unless it's in a, a, in a context of pointing you to God. Okay? PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This is what they say, but I told you that we all must become as a little child, so this applies to all of us. Uh, violence, nudity, sens sensuality. You know, sexual, obviously, sensuality, language, adult. Well, I, I would say perverted activities. So they're just putting adult like it's okay for children not to see this, but for adults, it's okay. Adult, which is a perversion of common sense. Drug use and sexual language. Avatar 
was rated PG-13 and, and definitely should have been because it definitely had nudity in it, it had sensuality in it, uh, it did have uh, adult activities like that sex scene that it was a minor sex scene, but regardless, it was a scene alluding to sex. It didn't show the organs or anything, but obviously anyone looking at it can tell that have had sex, that's what it was about. Okay, and it had kissing in there and all that. Uh, drug use and, and sexual language. Uh, restricted. Under 17. Requires accompanying parent or adult guardian, adult themes, adult activity, hard language, intense or persistent violence, sexually orientated, nudity, drug abuse, or other elements. NC-17 means no one under 17 admitted. Content appropriate only for an adult audience, which is, again, is a perversion of the truth. Violence, sex, uh, behavior, and drug abuse. And it says aberrational behavior. Let me look that word up. That's not a word I use too often. A, B, B. Obviously, it's not must be a popular word because, oh, A, B. Let me see. Here we go. Aberration, yeah. Aberrational behavior. It's a, it's a deviation from moral standard or normal state. Failure of a, unsoundness of mind. That's what it means. Aberrational or mindless behavior. That's what NC-17. Why would you want to look at a movie, ladies and gentlemen, that has mindless behavior, but unfortunately they make movies like that. Of course, X-rated is hardcore pornography. I shouldn't have the gold there. Why we shouldn't look at that. And uh, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. How much time do we have left here? Looks like I'm not going to have time to quote a lot of these scriptures. Matthew 15, verses 18 to 19. It says, But those things which proceed of out of the mouth come forth from their heart, and they defile the man. Okay? So I, wanted to, I want us to focus on that scripture here. What does defile the man mean? Matthew uh, 15, I'm reading the complete Jewish Bible version. It says, but what comes out of your mouth is actually coming from your mind, and that is what makes a person unclean. Verse 19, for out of the heart come forth wicked thoughts, murder, adultery, and other kinds of sexual immorality, thefts, lies, and slanders. Verse 20, these are what really make a person unclean, but eating without doing uh, washing hands does not make a person unclean. So what makes us unclean and defiled before God is what we think about, ladies and gentlemen. That's what your Lord and Savior says. So we have to be careful about, again, what we see, what we allow our minds to see that influence our thoughts, that influence our thoughts. We have to be very careful about that. Because if we don't, we're going to do things that are, that are wrong, and we're going to feel bored, and we're going to feel, oh, these things. You know, we're going to feel that way. We've got to be careful about what we allow our eyes to see. And that word defile can mean pollute. We can't pollute our minds with garbage. And what he talked about here is, in, is found in all these movies that are rated PG and PG-13 and restricted and C-17 and please and, and uh, X-rated movies. Oh, shoot, ain't no telling what's in there in addition to everything else. But but it says, out of the mind come forth wicked thoughts, murder adultery and all kinds of sexual immorality, theft, lies, and slanders. And that is what's found in all these movies today. So to answer your question, would God approve of the entertainment industry? In most cases, he wouldn't, most definitely. 
Uh, Isaiah 58, verse 1 to 2. Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 2. It says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take uh, delight in approaching to God. And then it states here, Isaiah 59, verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, he will not hear. So he's not going to be attracted to you, ladies and gentlemen, if you focus your mind on filth. That's not going to attract God to you. Hebrews chapter uh, 5, starting in verse 11 to 14. How much time I got left here? 31 minutes. Okay. Hebrews 11. Many more scriptures to quote. I'm going to have to quote some of these scriptures next week. Uh, Okay. Hebrews 5, verse 11. Hebrews 5, verse 11. I'll read this in the complete Jewish Bible version. It says, We have much to say about this subject, but it is hard to explain because you have become sluggish in understanding. And one way you become sluggish in understanding, you allow, again, your mind to be wrapped up in this world, in the wickedness of this world, and through, which is ch- channeled through the television and, and the uh, entertainment industry, and, and in some cases, the sporting industry as well. Um, in in um, Hebrews 5, verse 11, the complete Jewish Bible, we have much to say about this subject, but it's hard to explain because you have become sluggish in understanding. Verse 12, for although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the very first principles of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Verse 13, anyone who has to drink milk is still a baby without experience in applying the word about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, for those who faculties or brains have been trained by continuous exercise to distinguish good from evil. And that is the purpose of our minds, ladies and gentlemen, so that we can train our minds to distinguish good from evil. It's very important. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7 is a very important scripture here as far as helping us use God's way of rating movies. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6 to 7 in the complete Jewish Bible version. Yeah, Philippians 4, verse 8, in the complete Jewish Bible version. It says, in conclusion, brothers, focus your thoughts on what is true, what is noble, what is righteous, what is pure, what is lovable and admirable, on some virtue or on something praiseworthy. That's what we need to focus our minds on, not on junk, not on consistent violence and sex and cursing and nudity. We don't focus our minds on that. 
We should focus our thoughts on what is true, noble, righteous, pure, lovable, and admirable, on some virtue, on something praiseworthy. We shouldn't focus our minds on fantasy. And what is fantasy again? Let's review amusement and fantasy again. To amuse is to divert the attention of soul as to deceive, to occupy the attention of, distract, bewilder. Fantasy, the power or process of creating especially unrealistic or improbable mental images in response to psychological need, a mental image or a series of mental images. That's what amusement and fantasy is. And bewilder, let me look that up. Bewilder means to confuse, to mystify, to puzzle. And that's what the amusement and fantasy is, and that's what the devil has successfully, and most people, deceived people into liking and thinking that, hey, this is what we need, a diversion, an escape into fantasy. Anyway, now, TV ratings. Let's look over the TV ratings here real quickly. TV ratings. Not too much different from the other ratings, but I'm reading here the TV Parental Guidelines. This is from www.tvguidelines.org. It says right here, uh, TV Parental Guidelines may have one or more letters added to the basic rating to let parents know, and it should be to let yourselves know, when a show may contain violence, sex, adult language, or suggestive dialogue. D, as in dog, represents suggestive dialogue, usually means talk about sex. L, coarse or crude language. S means sexual situations, V, violence, F, V, fantasy violence, children's programming only. But I already read to you what fantasy is, all right? So the TV parental guidance says TVY7, directed to older children. This program is designed for children age 7 and above. It may be more appropriate for children who have acquired the developmental skills needed to distinguish between make-believe and reality. Themes and elements in this program may include mild fantasy violence or comedic violence, or may frighten children under the age of seven. This is the kind of filth, ladies and gentlemen, that the entertainment industry has on your children. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Therefore, parents may wish to consider the suitability of this program for their very young children. So even TVY7 is bad. TVY7FV, directed to older children, fantasy violence. For those programs where fantasy violence may be more intense or more combative than other programs in this category, such programs will be designated tvy 7FV. And what is fantasy again? Let's go over that again. Fantasy is the power or process of creating especially unrealistic or improbable mental images in response to psychological need. A mental image or series of mental images so created. TVG is general audience. Most parents will find this program suitable for, for all ages, although this rating does not signify a program designed specifically for children. Most parents may let younger children watch this program. It contains little or no violence, no strong language, and little or no sexual dialogue or situations. That is a rating that you need to look at if you want to look at something decent on television. TVG. TVG. As in GOAT. All right. TVPG, which is... The rest of these ratings are abominable ratings here. TVPG, TV14, TVMA. TVPG is parental guidance suggested. This program contains material that parents may find unsuitable for younger children. Many parents may want to watch it with their younger children. The theme itself may call for parental guidance and or the program may contain one or more of the following. Some suggestive dialogue and frequent coarse language. Some sexual situations or moderate violence. 
Uh, what does it mean as far as coarse language? Because that's not a word I use too often. C-O-A. C-O-A. Coarse means um, rough language or harsh language, crude language. In other words, cursing. That's what it means, coarse language. All right, so and so TVPG has infrequent coarse language, some sexual situations, or moderate violence. TV14, parents strongly caution. This program contains some material that many parents would find unsuitable for children under 14 years of age under 14 years of age. Parents are strongly urged to exercise greater care in monitoring this program and a caution against letting children under the age of 14 watch unattended. This program may contain one or more of the following. Intensely suggestive dialogue, strong coarse language, intense sexual situations, or intense violence. This is TV14. And TVMA, which I guess is the uh, television versions for restricted movies, Mature audience only. This program is specifically designed to be viewed by adults and therefore may be unsuitable for children under 17. This program may contain one or more of the following crude or rude or indecent, uh, crude, indecent language, explicit sexual activity, or graphic violence. And this is the kind of stuff that's on TV, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, this is the type of stuff that's on television. All right. Um... So those are the TV ratings. Now, this is from the American Academy of Pediatrics. And they, they focus this on children again, but that's a deception. This is something we need to all pay attention to. It says, family is the most important influence in a child's life, but television is not far behind. Television can inform, entertain, and teach us. However, some of what TV teaches, I would change that to many of what TV teaches, may not be the things you want your child or yourself to learn. That's what I'm putting in there. TV programs and commercials often show violence, alcohol, drug use, and sexual content that may not be suitable, that is not suitable for children or teens or adults, for that matter. Studies show that TV viewing may lead to more aggressive behavior and less physical activity. By knowing how television affects your children and by setting limits, you can make, help make your child's TV watching experience not only enjoyable but healthy, too. Okay, and there are some things that are on television, like the History Channel is a good channel to look at. The Discovery Channel, those are good channels to look at. Uh, there, there's, uh, they also have, I know in my local community here in Columbus, Ohio, uh, they have a, a, um, a, tel a public television where you can actually take courses for free. They have full-blown courses in marketing and business and, and other realistic things that you can actually sit and look at. Those are the kind of programs that is good to look at. But, of course, most people don't spend time doing that. Now, uh, this is one article I wanted to, it's from this book. It says, Remotely Controlled, and, and, this, and this book is by uh, Eric Sigmund, Vermilion Press, 2005, Remotely Controlled. It says, How Television is Damaging Our Lives and What We Can Do About It. <clears throat> he says, you need to read this book, really. On average, we spend four hours a day in front of the television, more than anything else we do except work and sleep. By the age of six, a child has already spent a whole year watching television. Sigmund says that television has unleashed a worldwide cultural force equaled in history only by religion. Television affects our physical, psychological, and social health in, in very damaging ways. The television companies would like us to believe that the jury is still out and that research showing the harmful effects of television is simplistic and one-dimensional, but, but the jury isn't still out. The verdict is in, and medical researchers are completely sure about the harmful effects of television. All right, so uh, that's just uh, a quote from his book here. 
and he states here that uh, television causes obesity, television harms a child's development, television causes half of all violent crime. Uh, it says countries like Bhutan has seen a sudden rise in violent crime when television is first introduced. Quoting a major study in the Journal of American Medical Association, Sigmund says that if hypothetically television technology had never been developed, there would today be 10,000 fewer homicides each year in the United States, 70,000 fewer rapes, and 700,000 fewer injurious assaults. Violent crime would be half of what it is. This is found from the Journal of the American Medical Association, ladies and gentlemen, on page 120. It says television causes depression. Depression is uh, always me. Uh. If someone were to design an instrument specifically to work against the things that sustain and improve our society's happiness, nothing could be more effective than the television set. Of course, television lies to us. Television tells us what to think. Okay, These are all negative things about television, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, There's a fact sheet from this website that I got. Uh, it's called uh, TrashYourTV.com. <laughs> And it says the top ten reasons to become TV-free. And this is on page four of the TV-free, the awful truth about television. This is the free e-book by her, by Catherine Westfall. She's done her research, and she's done a very good job of proving that television is uh, definitely one of the tools of the devil. Uh, she says, number one, people who watch three hours of TV per day are twice as likely to be obese than people who watch less than one hour per day. Number two, the average U.S. parent spends only 38 minutes per week in meaningful, meaningful conversation with children versus three, 31 and a half hours a week watching television. Number three, TV viewing in children at ages one and three is associated with ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, symptoms at age seven. Number four, viewing TV violence is the single strongest predator of aggression, I mean predictor rather, of progression later in life, according to a long-term study. So let me underscore that. Viewing TV violence is the single strongest uh, predictor of aggression later in life, according to long-term study. And see, that that's very important to understand there, because people think that television is just totally harmless, uh, and then, but it, it, it's not harmless. These, these are studies that, are, that have been done, and you need to pay attention to truth. And aggression is simply an unprovoked attack, the practice of making attacks, hostile, injurious, or destructive behavior or outlook when caused by frustration. That's what aggression is, ladies and gentlemen. Children witnessed 16,000 TV murders by age 18 and a half. Let me underscore that. That's number five. Children witnessed 16,000 TV murders by age 18 and a half. Verse six. Viewers watch an average of 40,000 commercials per year. Commercials aimed at kids' influence and an estimate, estimated $300 billion a year in sales via the NAG factor. Number eight, students who watch an hour of TV per day or less scored the best on achievement tests. TV is addictive. And number 10, the average American watches four hours and 35 minutes of TV per day. This, there is simply so much else to do in life than do that, and I totally agree with her about that. And for those who think that you may not be addicted, uh, I encourage you, and I challenge you to go to http dot double slash trashyourtv dot com slash survey and see for yourself whether or not you are addicted to television. Now, your deeds should be pleasing to God and should glorify God, not yourself. 
That's very important, ladies and gentlemen. Let's, in the remaining time here, I might have to quote uh, some of these scriptures in another program, but the next program, because uh, to have joy, you have to understand this first to, to understand how to have joy. You have to learn how to uh, control your mind. Oh, I just wanted to say this. Uh, you can always look and see what's on people's minds, basically, by going to um, Nielsen.com, N-I-E-L-S-E-N, and it, it gives you basically the rankings of various television programs per week. And the Grammy Awards last week, which is TVPG, by the way, and has sexual content and all that, was number one. American Idol, of course, is TVPG. That was number two. And you had this uh, this police violence story, uh, NCIS, I guess, Los Angeles or whatever. That's TVPG and TV14. House, which I used to look at, but I don't look at it anymore for obvious reasons, is rated TV14. Uh, 60 Minutes is okay to look at. It's news. Uh, two and a Half Men is TV 14. The Bachelor is TV, which is a, a reality show uh, about sex and dating and all that. TV 14 and Bones. Uh, I looked at one of the latest stories, a story about somebody's uh, body being mutilated. Okay, so that that's something real great to focus on. But that that's what we focus our minds on each and every week, ladies and gentlemen. We focus our minds on TV PG and TV 14 rated um programs unfortunately and let me go over what tv 14 again is is uh the program contains some material that many parents would find unsuitable for children under 14 of age parents are strongly urged to exercise greater care in monitoring this program a caution against letting children under the age of 14 watch unattended this program may contain one or more of the following intensely suggestive dialogue strong coarse language in other words cursing intense sexual situations or intense violence and, uh, and of course uh tv pg uh it, it has some suggestive dialogue and frequent course language, some sexual situations or moderate violence. One of the performers of Pink, she was going in the air looking like she was naked practically, or she wanted you to think that she was alluding to nakedness. You know, that that's that, that was what was on the, the Grammy Awards, unfortunately. I, I don't look at the Grammy Awards, but I saw the articles that they were talking about Pink and all that, and anyway, um, it's just it's just felt, ladies and gentlemen, it's just total felt. Um, John chapter 8 verse 29 John 8 verse 29 and Jesus stated this he said and he that sent me is with me the father has not left me alone for I do always those things that please him so if you want don't want God to leave you alone ladies and gentlemen if you want him to leave you if you don't want him to leave you then Always do the things that's pleasing in his sight. Looking at Avatar, whether you want to realize it or not, is not pleasing in his sight. It's a deceptive movie. John 14, verse 6. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto me but by me. The way is meaning it's a methodology of how to live. That's, he's the way. Now, I looked at Avatar because I had to evaluate to see whether or not it was right to look at or wrong. But I'll never look at that movie again. I have no desire to look for it. Look at that movie. First uh, John chapter 2. It was boring to me. It really was boring. I had to force myself to look at the whole movie. I was almost going to sleep on it. First John chapter 2, verse 6, even though it looked nice. But I'm not impressed by what the physical world looks like. I'm, I'm more impressed about what the spiritual world looks like. I wonder all the time about how things look in the spiritual realm. First John chapter 2, verse 6. He that says he abides in him ought 
himself ought to walk even as he walks. He's saying that we ought to do what Christ did. And Ephesians 5, verse 1, well, before I get to that, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, states, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What's glory? What does that word glory mean? Let's, let's understand what that means. 1 Timothy, for, I mean 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Starting in verse uh, 31. The word glory means dignity, honor, praise, worship. So we should do everything, whatever we do, it should be to worship and praise God. Okay? To honor Him and respect Him. So even when we look at movies, it should be to praise and worship God. It should all point to God, ladies and gentlemen. An avatar does not point to God. First John chapter three. However, the Nelson Bandela movie does because it shows you how to love your neighbor as yourself and how and realize that we're all one big family with different colors and different personalities that should be based on God's character, which looks like I'm going to get into next week because I don't have enough time today. First uh, John chapter three. First John chapter 3, verse 22. It says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So again, we, our, our goal is to do the things that's pleasing in his sight, ladies and gentlemen. Everything we do should please him. If it doesn't please him, he's, he's going to leave you. He's not going to want to have anything to do with you when you don't do anything that pleases him. Ephesians 5, verse 1 states this it says be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and sacrifice of God for a sweet smelling savor and it says but fornication and all uncleanness and covetedness let it not be once named among you as become saints neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient but rather giving thanks for he says, for this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idol, idolater have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Okay? So we've got to be careful about what we see, ladies and gentlemen. God is serious about this. He, he's very serious about it. And, and we have to take it to heart here. Okay, we've got nine minutes left. Now, we, we must not waste our time. Okay? And this stage... Excuse me, I'm sorry. Stay in the same chapter here, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Beginning in verses 15 and 17. The complete Jewish Bible version. Says, use your time well, for these are evil days. So don't be foolish, but try to understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, don't get drunk with wine because it makes you lose control. Instead, keep on being filled with the Spirit. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to each other. Sing to the Lord and make music to your heart to Him. Always give 
thanks to, for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord, Yeshua, the Messiah. So that's the kind of life that God wants us to lead. He doesn't want us to, to use our time unwisely. And then verse 15, it says, Therefore, pay careful attention to how you conduct your life. Live wisely, not unwisely. Use your time well, for these are evil days. Then Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it tells you there's a time for everything. So if you want to study that chapter, it goes into detail about there's a time for everything. And then Titus 3, verse 14. Titus 3, verse 14. It says, Do your best to help Zenith the tour expert and Apollos with their arrangements for traveling so that, oh, I'm sorry, so that they will lack nothing, verse 14, that's in verse 13. And have our people learn to apply themselves to doing good deeds that meet genuine needs, or genuine needs, so that they will not be unproductive. That's what we need to be spending our time on, ladies and gentlemen. Not looking at four and a half hours of television every day. We need to spend our time doing the following. And, and have our people learn to apply themselves to doing good deeds that meet genuine needs, so that they will not be unproductive. That's what we need to be doing. That's what get us out of that's that's what will ultimately get us out of our boredom. Okay? And what is boredom is a lack of interest. But when you're helping somebody, you should become interested. You should. Because you're involving yourself with helping someone. Okay, so in the remaining Bible study here, uh, seven minutes here, I want to, because the, the title of this Bible study is How Does God Think? how to think like God, and let me go over some scriptures here real quick that proves you how, and then I'm going to go over these other scriptures next week. But Psalm 146, starting in verse 5 to 9, gives you an idea of how he thinks. Psalm 146, verses 5 to 9. Psalm 146. And it gives, it just tells you how he thinks, and more importantly, what he does. And it says right here in the complete Jewish Bible versions, "Happy is he whose help is Jacob's God, whose hope is in Adonai his God." Verse six: He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps faith forever. So one of the things that he does is create. Verse seven: He secures justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. Adonai sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bent over. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over strangers. He sustains the fatherless and widows, but the way of the wicked he twists. All right, so that's what God, that's, that's his work. That's what he does. That's what he focuses on, and that's what we need to focus on. We need to focus on the oppressed. We need to give food to the hungry. We need to set the prisoners free if we can. We need to um, open the eyes of the blind. That's also talking about not just literally, but also spiritually through God's words. Uh, we need to lift up those who are bent over. Encourage people. We need to love the righteous like he does. We need to watch over strangers. We need to sustain the fatherless and the widows. And we need, uh, and we need to twist the way of the wicked. In other words, show that the wicked is wrong. That's what God does. That's what he thinks and focuses about. That's what he focuses on. Okay, and Ezekiel 18, verses 5 to 9. This is his definition of a righteous person, male or female. Ephesians 5, I mean, I'm sorry, not Ephesians, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 5 to 9. 
says, consider someone who is righteous. And this is in verse 5. Consider someone who is righteous, who does what is lawful and right. He doesn't eat on the mountains or raise his eyes toward the idols of the house of Israel, allusion to idolatry, putting something ahead of God. He doesn't defile his neighbor's wife or commit adultery or look at pornography or looks at women that are sensual or touch a woman during his time of, her time of menstrual impurity, which is a sin to do that. Verse 7, he doesn't wrong anyone. He returns any pledged property a debtor has given as collateral for a loan. So he's fair. He takes nothing by robbery. He but gives his food to the hungry and, cl and clothing to those who need it. He neither demands nor accepts interest on the loan. He refrains from what is evil, and he judges honestly between one person and another. In short, he lives according to my laws and observes my rulings so as to act faithfully. Such a person is righteous, and he will certainly live. That's how God thinks, ladies and gentlemen. That's God's character. And then, uh, in the three minutes remaining here, in Micah 6, verse 8, he states this, Micah 6, verse 8, Micah 6, verse 8. He says, with what can I come before the Lord to bow down before God on high? Should I come? Well, no, uh, Micah 6, verse 8. It says, human being, you have already been told what is good, what the Lord demands of you. No more than to, to I'm sorry. Micah 6, verse 8. Human being, you have already been told what is good, what the Lord demands of you. No more than to act justly, to love grace or favor, and walk in purity with your God. And you do that by obeying his commandments. That's what he expects of every human being, ladies and gentlemen. That's how he thinks. In Proverbs 8, verse 13, in the remaining three minutes that I have here. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The complete Jewish Bible version. Okay, what's going on with my Bible program here? Okay. It says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil ways and, and, and bad speech. He hates that. And we need to hate that too. And that is the fear of God. Part of the fear of God is to hate evil. And we need to hate evil. And we should not allow our eyes to, to look at evil if it's not pointing to God's ways and His and his teachings, and his law. That's very important to understand that. Proverbs 14, verse uh, 21. Proverbs 14, verse 21. It says, He who despises his fellow sins, but he who shows compassion to the humble is happy. So again, let me underscore this. He who despises his fellow sins, but he who shows compassion... To the humble is happy. The way to, to, to not to stop being bored, ladies and gentlemen, is to get your mind off yourself and to focus on helping other people. To focus on helping other people. That's how you quickly get uh, get boredom out of your mind by focusing on other people's problems and focusing on what they need. As the Bible says in Acts twenty verse thirty five, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So. I will talk about uh, the remainder of what I was going to talk about here in this Bible study next week. And the Bible study next week will be about how to have joy the way God defines it in the Bible. How to have true joy. And a lot of it has to do to, with the way you think. So may God bless and keep you. And I will speak to you next week. Malachi chapter 4.
For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.